really as detailed as possible. What makes a life successful to you? What makes you truly happy? And what is it that you want to achieve in your life? These are the questions that I want to address here, especially in the beginning of our new year. And therefore, I have invited someone really special. His name is Domenico Pinto. He's an author and founder of The Great Shift. And he coaches and teaches people how he managed to go from a 60-hour week of having a lot of sacrifices, working long hours and giving a lot of effort to his old business and to the people that he worked for, to a 25-hour week while still growing his business and maintaining a personal well-being. I think there are a lot of key takeaways we can get from Domenico Pinto. And I'm really excited to get into his know-how and advice on how we can all achieve this. And yeah, I'm interested in what we can get from this conversation now. But Domenico, would you like to introduce yourself first and tell us where you are right now? Thank you very much for sharing. May I ask you, was there one trigger event that led you to gain this awareness that you need to change? Or was it more a process that made you realize, okay, I feel so bad or something needs to change over this time? And if yes, how did you start this then? What have you done in order to step forward and to say, okay, I need to change something? How can we start? It was both. Uh, I definitely had a big event. Uh, the big event was for me, a pandemic hit. I was studying, I was doing my MBA. Work was going really well. Everything was uh, was going in the right direction. I was uh, finally doing my global executive MBA. I was at a great university. Work was booked out for maybe March for the rest of the year, basically. But what I didn't realize, everything was going well in a bubble. And the bubble was my sacrifices that I was making on the way. And sacrifices were mainly on the personal life and on the health and well-being side of things. When the pandemic hit, I was in Brazil. I had influenza and I couldn't get on a plane to come back. And I just barely made it back to Australia. When I make it, made it back, I was like, okay. So I did all of this to go back to my cage, basically. That was probably the best way of describing it. It's one thing that I switched from one day to the other. So I gradually started thinking, reading, applying it. And then over time, uh, I was able to, to get this great shift done. But I still remember at the beginning that that was not the case. In my mind, what I had understood, what I had kind of agreed with myself is that I was going to make sacrifices so that my clients could be fine. So I was going to sacrifice my work-life balance so I could go to clients and teach them about how to achieve work-life balance. And now it sounds ridiculous, of course, four years later, but at the time it just seemed like it's completely normal, right? So I, this is my toll. Okay, wow, thank you. May I ask you, would you say the way you would define success today has changed from the way you have defined success a few years ago? Completely. So when I look back four years ago, it was quite materialistic and quite status-driven. Today is quite the opposite. It's quite human-driven and it's quite experience-driven. 
So material things like a watch and my watch subscription that I mentioned even in my book a few times is something that I cared before that I couldn't be further away from, from it today. So spending a week with my nephew, it's much more important for me now. That's probably one of those elements that I was reflecting on this year. And since it's December and look, looking back, I was like, oh, what are, you, what are the things that you wish you could have done better? And when I look at that, it's not a new car, it's not a better apartment, it's not a better computer, it's not a phone, it's not a watch, it's quite the opposite. The only things that I really miss, like, ah, I wish I would have seen my nephews a little bit more. Or I wish I would have been able to spend more time in South Italy with my aunties and uncles and cousins, but it's not related to, to any material things anymore. I totally agree. And thank you very much for sharing your definition of success. You said spending more time with your family, having more quality time for human interactions in general, and just doing what you enjoy. And I think everyone has personal preferences when it comes to that. And to be honest, this doesn't seem to be new to me. Like, we all know what we would count to components that help us to have a quality in life. And my question is, therefore, how can we achieve this? How can we have this balance that you want to have? Is it that you have to quit your job and have to restructure your whole life like you did in order to truly have this work-life balance? Or are there also other strategies that everyone can do at home or somewhere else that helps them to achieve this balance and to make sure that they get closer to their goals? All of that can be done. Both options are good and valid. And there are 15 in the middle of that. Okay, compromises there. I think this is one of the, one of the first things that I really reflect on. We've kind of been used to the thing that there is only one solution and that's the one that everyone should follow. While everyone is different. In fact, if you think about it, in humankind, there is no two people with the same fingerprints, okay? But for some reason, when it comes to work-life balance or anything related to work in that space, we only have one way of, of you know, working. You know, the mainstream one, this is the right way of doing it. So I've become an opponent to it's this way or the other way. Both is possible. It's just a matter of understanding what can you do. Now, if you have money in your bank account, if you're not financially dependent on anything, if there's no kids that need you to work so you can put food on the table, of course, take a year off, take six months off, take four months off and redefine everything. But for most people, that's not possible. That's not feasible. So the reality is that you can achieve it little by little. Even me, I didn't go from 80 to 20 hours a week. Uh, I gradually reduced that to the point when I realized, okay, if I work less, it doesn't really suit me. Uh, I still really enjoy what I'm doing. So that's my, my optimal medium now. Um, but it didn't happen overnight. It happened gradually. Yeah. I love this. Thank you very much. And one thing I want to emphasize on is I believe the most important thing is that you ask yourself what makes sense to me and that you create a certain distance to traditions and other people's expectations and ask yourself, what do I want? 
What does success actually mean to me? Is it really the watch? Is it the apartment, my life in the city, the bachelor degree or this one job? Or is it a feeling? Are we talking about a place? Are we talking about people or things that I can do in my life? I think the more specific you can go on your goals, the better you can help yourself by finding a solution. And it's really interesting. Actually, this weekend I had a nice conversation with someone who studied law in this law firm here now in Spain. He's super unhappy with his job and his life situation. And I asked him, hey, why have you done this then? Why have you studied law when this is not your passion or your goal or this obviously doesn't seem to lead you to your success in life? And he said, yes, it's, it's just what you have to do in order to create a safety net. You just have to accept your sacrifices. And I said, no, I don't believe it. I think you have to choose your battle and you have to know what you're sacrificing for. But I don't think that you have to sacrifice your life and your quality of life for long term. But you are the expert here. What would you say? How can we create this work-life balance? What does it mean? How can we implement things in our life that make us happy and that help us to be more aware of our choices? I really like the way you framed it and the way you shared the story of your conversation as well. And you're spot on on that, at least from my perspective. What, what I would say is what works for you may not work for me. So you really have to understand what works for you and what your priorities are. And there are a couple of things that when you look at it, people that have achieved this level of work-life harmony and high performance, because I don't want just to work less. I also want to be satisfied with my work. So it's not about not working, it's about working and, and having that balance, is they have a few things in common, all right? You, you said choosing your battle, and you can definitely look at it that way. I would position it is to be aware of your priorities and understand how the long-term and the short-term go together. I'll give you an example. I was in Sevilla last week, and I was doing a session, and one of the examples I used is, is it okay to cancel your dinner with the, or your coffee with a closed one this week for once. And everyone agreed it's, yeah, sure, we can do that. But is it okay to cancel it every single week of the year? All right. So when you look at that one, it's like, oh, probably I don't want to do that. But when we look at the short term and we look at the short term only, of course, that's not a bad thing if we miss one. But when we look at the bigger picture, that's when the reality kicks in. So this is why those priorities are really important, because once you understand what is really important to you, you can start planning your life according to that, and you can move one step at a time closer towards it. What has pushed you to take the first step? I think I want to emphasize this because most of us, like we all have crazy ideas what we could do. Maybe we could have our own gym, our own restaurant, become this author or journalist. But most of the people don't have the courage or empowerment to start. And I think people like you can motivate them to really take the lead and start working on their dreams. Because I think it is possible. I think you can do everything you want to do and you just need to start working towards it. And I believe in it. But I think your story is even better to say that. Thank you. You're too kind. I'm very happy to share my story. 
So when I spoke about it, my my previous life, if you want to, or the previous version of me, if if, you, if that sounds better, um, was a workaholic and was someone that worked eighty hours a week. So in a usual week, uh, right before the pandemic, I had this period between September and December where I had twenty four medium to long haul flights. So we're talking about uh, Sydney to, to Perth or Sydney to Bali or Sydney to Europe. So a very long flight. Um, on average, I would be happy if I only had four flights a week. And I would be very happy if I was able to leave Monday morning and come back on a Friday night. But that usually didn't happen. So what the reality was that one of the two days had to give. So either I had to leave on a Sunday afternoon but I was able to come back on a Friday or I was able indeed to leave on a Monday morning, but I wouldn't make it back before Saturday. And that meant spending the week away from, from my partner at the time, from my uh, ecosystem, from my friends and community in Sydney and being alone for the whole week to the point that for me doing my master's degree was one of those reasons to, to find something to do on my we evenings when I was traveling, right? I was kind of brain that, but still, I still had six, six hours, six, seven hours in the day. So what do you do with it? Uh, sounds sad, only repeating it, but uh, there was, there was previous long. So from that point, I was working easily 80 hours a week. I was constantly on the road. And what I started to notice is that my nutrition was suffering from it. My health uh, was suffering from it. I was definitely more overweight and now um, I wasn't massive or crazy overweight but I definitely had a different ratio between fats and muscle than I have today but also my whole spirit I've always been a very light very easygoing very full of energy very enjoying life kind of person and I, I had stopped being that and the irony is for some reason I had kind of agreed with myself that this is what it took a little bit like your law starting friend. This is the sacrifices I have to do. From there, when, when COVID hit, I was forced to be at home and not being able to visit my clients. When I spent a month at home, suddenly I realized, wow, this is nice. You don't have to pack, unpack. You're always sleeping in the same bed. I'm seeing my partner more than ever. I'm seeing my friends in some ways. So because I was there. So even though we could only go out for two hours, I could actually see them because I was literally there. This slowly started to eat into me and make me reflect. And little do I know, did I know that I was going to embark on this great, what I call the great shift. And it was going to change everything in, in my whole life. And little by little, I started to challenging and to question any of those aspects but why do we do that this way why do i have to go to the clients for every single thing we do at the time 99 percent of my business was face to face it was just occasionally we would have an online meeting but that didn't used to be the case so when i started restructuring that i started thinking of what would my ideal life look like how could i find balance how could i find that I, I live in a way that is more aligned with my values, that I, I am able to be in Europe more often. Before I knew it, I started on this journey of learning and challenging and questioning it. And then when I came back to Europe, suddenly, for me being European, 
being in Europe and you have so many countries that you can work from without any any problems because your passport is valid for pretty much every country and your work rights and it really opened up to give me more headspace to to really start focusing on that um, so one of the first changes I did is and this is funny because a lot of times things just happen to you without you even realizing it but you just have to jump with the opportunity I think you always have a choice. You don't need this money on your bank account to have the freedom and to take the risk and do what you want to do. I think it's just very important that you have a vision, a goal, and that you find how you can get yourself there. And I promise you, you will always find a way. You will always find a way. May it take you longer. I don't care. You will find a way. I agree with you. I remember this moment when I came back to Europe and I suddenly had a different schedule because I could only work with my clients either late night or early mornings, which meant that suddenly between 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. at night, I had free time to work on things on my own accord, right? Um, And even there, I was still working more, but I just had the the bandwidth to, to be focusing on other things and to work asynchronous. That little tweak... I realized, wait, hang on a second. If I don't schedule my meetings throughout my day, but if I group the coaching in the morning and I do other things in the afternoon when I do again at night and when I go for a walk, that little tweak there already made me more, much more effective in my work. And then that all led step by step to the point that now I'm working 25 hours a week uh, on average. I work four days a week. I have meeting-free days. I have mental health Fridays every week. I don't travel as much anymore. And now I have a rule that I don't travel more than 25% of the year. And this year I'm 23%, so even uh, I'm even lower on that. And um, and my travel is a lot more conscious. So I'm not flying in and out anymore, but I'm flying to communities to learn something, to spend some time with people that I can learn something. And again, accelerate the journey. Please tell me what is your secret. How have you managed to grow your business while reducing your working hours? A variety of things. But when you align yourself and you have full alignment between your client's success and your success, and when you realize that you can only be high-performing continuously if you look after yourself. So we are used in these phases of being at the peak and then having to slow down again, and then having to peak again, and then burning out, and then going up again. But it's a much more effective way to do that is by figuring out what you have to do to stay always on top. And my secret is uh, work-life harmony. Thank you very much. And how do you create this work-life harmony? What are really the specific habits that I can learn as well that help you to thrive? Perfect. No, really good questions. So first of all, it's really understanding prioritization, how to prioritize. The second one is routines. So I mentioned everyone is different, but we can learn from people that are very successful in the space, what are they doing? And all of them have routines. Now, this is the important thing. You don't need to copy the exact routine. You just need to create your own routine. Great advice. May I ask you, what are the routines that help you to perform your best? So my routine are connected with sleep habits. 
So I have a sleep schedule. I rarely deflect from it, even on weekends, if I can. So that doesn't mean that I have to go back to bed at nine. I am still a night person. And because of my work, I rather start a bit later in the day and go later. So, for example, I rarely go to bed before midnight, uh, but my limit is 3 a.m. If I stay up later than 3 a.m., has to be a really good reason for it. Otherwise, it's almost impossible that I would do that. Um, but I still manage to get my seven and a half hours of sleep. I start a bit later in the day, that's totally fine for me. Um, one of the things I do is I plan my breaks. I plan my week, I plan my breaks. So I don't go anymore meeting, 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 meeting. I know that before be, between a coaching session and another, I need to to relax my brain so I can I can do the best service I can for my next client. That's the next one. Plan my break. Plan variety of of things that I do during the day. I don't look anymore at my day as nine to five. I look at my day as the whole day and even the whole week, and and look for balance in that way. So what are the breaks that I do? Today is a very typical day. It's my uh, busiest day, which is a Monday. I have a lot of coaching clients. And the more work I have, the more I work consciously on my schedule. So I had a break to cook myself some healthy lunch. I had a break to have a coffee and meditate. I had a break with physical activity. I will have a break soon now after this call to, to walk the dogs. And then again, after my next coaching coaching session, I will have a break at night to go and, and play football, which is me. So the higher I work on my brain, the higher I also increase the, the physical activity to go hand in hand. That works for me. What else? I really control what I eat during the week. I hardly drink alcohol or any other substances. I'm very careful on that. Interesting. May I ask if you stick to your healthy sleep and nutrition routine during the weekend as well? For example, when it comes to social environments and plans, do you stick to those habits? Do you don't drink then and go to bed at your normal times? Or do you give yourself some flexibility? A consistent routine is so important, but we don't want to become rigid and we don't want to focus too much. Like We don't want to be slave from our own schedule. This, this is what I say. If I stay up longer than 3 a.m., it has to be a good reason for it. Okay. So it's not about always black and white. The life is not black and white. So I, I do occasionally drink, but I rarely drink during the week. It needs to be a very special occasion. And when I say drink, I mean, I am an Italian. I grew up with my dad having a glass of wine at lunch. That is completely fine, having one glass of, of wine at lunch. The problem is the society today, once we start drinking, we don't stop, okay? And that is very different today compared to that. So for me, during the week, I almost uh, don't drink. On the weekends, I do drink a bit more. Uh, but for example, on a Sunday night, on Sunday for me is preparation for Monday. So I know that if I sleep bad, if I go bad to bed and I had a, a massive dinner and, and drinks and whatever that will automatically impact my Monday. And I'm not ready to compromise on that. So that doesn't happen anymore. But I do like to go out and I do like to socialize. But for example, if we're talking about drinking habits, it used to be a standard that you have your standard drink and you drink that when you go out. 
and now I don't do that anymore. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy a good bottle of wine. I highly agree. Thank you very much for your advice. And I believe it's even better when you're in an environment and with people where you don't have to drink in order to enjoy your moment. And for example, for me, I love this feeling of waking up fresh and having energy. And as long as it works for me, I think that's what counts. And uh, other people might call the same, but I think it's really important to make sure what what are your priorities, how do you want to feel, and what do you say yes and no to, um, while also keeping some flexibility if needed. But yeah, really interesting topic. Thank you. And without knowing it, you brought up the next point, which is great. It's your environment. Okay. So you just said it. When I'm with great people that I don't have to drink, this is exactly it. So this is one of the tricks. If you surround yourself with people that are workaholic, that have bad habits and are drinking constantly, that is a lot harder of a journey to be on a different journey. If now I spend, I give you an example. I went to Morocco for a festival and I was there with mindfulness. Uh, we talked about mindfulness, meditation, all this other area. And I spent there and for 10 days, I didn't have a single drop of alcohol, not a beer, not anything. I didn't really need it. No one was drinking, right? So that makes it very easy not to drink if no one is going, I'll have a beer or I have a wine or I have a cocktail. Because suddenly the fear of missing out kicks in. And now I can see you having a great cocktail in front of you. And I think like, oh, do I want one, maybe two. So this is one of the biggest secret weapons that I have, as I'm very conscious of who I spend time with and more conscious even who I don't spend time with. Thank you very much. Again, great advice. And now that we're talking about our personal environment and habits that can improve our well-being i want to ask you as an expert how do you manage stress what are your specific methods to make sure that you calm yourself down and that you know what to do in certain stressful situations because it's true we still experience stressful situations and they will arise in the future again and i'm really interested in how you handle them What I always say to my clients and to anyone I give advice to is that no two days, no two weeks, no two months, no two years are the same. So it's completely normal that one day might get out of rails. The challenge is that when every day is out of rails, okay? So what really helps there is to take a step back, zoom out a little bit, And I'll give you an example. I was in Sevilla last week for a conference uh, and I met a lot of great people. And even before going to Sevilla, I knew that that week was going to be a busier week than usual. So as a result, this week, I'm having a lighter week than usual. It's totally fine, but you need to find a way of balancing it out. You can just not go and have 80 hours, 80 hours, 80 hours, 80 hours. You can go for a certain time and eventually... You, you will break down. So when it comes to stress, again, I love cooking, for example. I love cooking for friends and family. So cooking for me is a way of distress. I love the beach. So being at the beach and going for a walk really calms me down. 
that is me. Other people, they hate the beach. It's too busy for them. It's too crowded. And the waves and the sound doesn't work for them. I I recently started playing football again. One of the reasons I, I started playing football again is because I completely detached from everything when I play football. You have the physical movement and then you have the mind and when you're playing with people, you're thinking of passes, you're thinking of how... And even though my body is is not in the best shape anymore, given some football injuries, um, but that really, for me, does it. I really completely distress when I play football because I'm in a different world, basically. More than that, we're talking into habits. We're talking into meditation practices, mindfulness practices. So I do sleep meditation, for example. I have a sleeping routine. There's so many good routines that you can find. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And I believe people underestimate the power of just meditating for 10 minutes, whether in the evening or in the morning, just to give yourself the time to calm down. And for my uh, recent episode, I have interviewed a sleep expert. And really, it's so powerful to get a good rest to prepare yourself for the next day. And one advice that I would love to share is that Once you start seeing your night and your bed routine and making sure that you get a good sleep as part of your next day, as something that prepares you to wake up tomorrow, to have the energy that you need to do all of the important and necessary things that you have to do the next day, I believe this can really help you to understand how important it is that you prepare yourself today to be a better version tomorrow and that you have the ability to make small changes in order to really prepare yourself to be this person. And I really liked all of the advice that you've shared and I'm really interested in exploring more. Yeah, absolutely. It's, we have so many studies out there, we all point towards the same, same direction. And meditation, you keep giving me uh, introductions to the next topic. So you, you said something which is amazing and wonderful at the same time. So it only takes 10 minutes. And this is one of the big mistakes that I've seen people do. They will explore a topic and then they want to perfection it. And it's either perfection or it's none. So it's like, I need to do an hour and a half of yoga day. No, you don't. I need to do an hour of meditation to, day. I can't. No, you don't. Not yet. Not it's yet. just working on it. It doesn't work, <laughs> right? But what it basically means is you go from, from not doing yoga to wanting to do an hour and a half. And if you only do half an hour, you think you're failing. No, you're not. You're still doing half an hour more than before. So that is one of the biggest uh, challenges that I see people have. They put too much stress on themselves and they feel a destination is where the magic happens, but it's a journey, it's not a destination. And you said it, you love to do an hour and a half of yoga, but you're not there yet. And that's fine. You know? Thank you very much. And Now looking towards like our new year and our future in general, in context of our topic of like happiness, success, personal achievements, what do you predict? How do you think our definition of success is going to shift and what are people are going to strive for? Oof, such a loaded question. It's already a podcast per se, that question. When you look at The end of the year, I always, I'm always amazed when we do statistics. A lot of people think, uh, like you said, in years and like next year, I'll do uh, everything different. 
and when we usually say only 5% of the people achieve what they want to achieve or achieve the goals they've set themselves. I was one of those people a few years ago. Now that my brain is fresh, I realize that the reality is the reality you look into it. So even if it's only 5%, it means that 5% of the people manage to take this as an opportunity for change and succeed in changing, which is already uh, a positive thing. Um, I absolutely feel that meditation, mindfulness, rest, recovery, nutrition, all of these aspects are going to be the new frontier when it comes to achieving high performance. So I think that's one there. Neuroscience is another element. We're learning more and more about it. If you ask me what's going to happen in five, six years is when the magic will happen when we're starting to put mainstream all these ideas together and when we're starting to understand how the connection between them is. So one of the reasons why in my session I talk about leadership, I talk about work-life harmony, and I talk about productivity at the same time is because for me it's much more effective to tackle them together than to tackle them separately because very often when we tackle them separately, we harm the other one. So we work less, and now we're also less productive, so our career is at risk. And then we work more, and then we don't know how to do it, so we're not as effective as leaders, but we put in more hours, and the circle continues. I already feel like I could record six episodes with you, but I want to ask you, what makes someone a good leader to you? What are the main characteristics? Oh, this is a big one. I need to have a disclaimer here first. So the way I perceive leadership, uh, it's a little bit different than most people look at leadership. For me, when I think of leadership, it doesn't really matter if you have one or 100 people working for you. It's two different things. But leadership skills are needed at an individual level. So when I look at leadership, for me, it's someone that can inspire other people to have a positive impact. And if I take it to the next step, is not only that inspires other, but also creates an army of other people that inspire other people. And that doesn't mean that you can only do that if you have staff. You are doing it with your podcast, right? You have no control on the listener. They don't report back to you, but you're helping them to inspire, to be inspired and to potentially go on a journey. Okay, now my real last question. What are you proud of this year? Oof. Now you're asking me the, the, the biggest question. Uh, I don't know where to start, to be honest. I had such a, a great year. I was on a call with some friends of mine from Australia that we used to collaborate with together. And what I share that my mindset has changed so much that my perspective on many things has changed. So when I was in Australia and there was a bit of bad news, I would take it very personally and then stay in their mindset for a long time. Now I'm in Europe and I see something in the news which is equally negative and potentially could impact me. And it hits me for a second and two minutes later, I'm over it. So the journey of my mindset is what I would say I'm most proud of if I had to choose. Um, but here it's like choosing which hand am I going to cut off? Is your right hand or your left hand? 
I'm sure you have a favorite. It doesn't really mean that you're happy with the other one. Um, if I have to give you a list, one of the most disconnected things to performance that we know now has a massive impact is relationships. We barely touched on it today when we talked about environment and the people around you. So I'm very happy with my relationships this year, my family, my progress that I've done there, my reconnecting and how all the relationships, my friends and who I have around me, very proud of every single person that I have around me in a deliberate way. I'm very proud of some relationships that I've let go. I'm very happy with my journey on nutrition and exercise. I'm not there yet, but I'm better than I was last year. Um, what does it mean to you? You exercise six times a week and only eat good food. What what does the success mean to you? I tried that uh, two two years ago, and I after two months I was full of uh, pain and injuries and had to stop. So I did that with exercise, but I tell people not to do it work. Um, no, for me, the routine is between three to five times exercise and different exercise. So I, I mentioned I played football. I go for a light run or um, for a long walk, ideally with weight sometimes, even that, just putting something in my backpack. I enjoy uh, electromagnetic stimulation, so I do two sessions of that a week. I do high-intensity training uh, occasionally. It's my kind of go-to from a physical exercise perspective. And if I'm having a good week, I'll do five. I don't do more anymore, even though I feel I could do one more because it's about the long run. And I will try to do a minimum of three. And I rarely go on the three. Something needs to happen. I'm sick or uh, some other reason. Uh, I do watch my nutrition. Um, and that's something that for next year, it's, a, it's another big goal to have another upgrade to really create habits. And I, I don't believe making sacrifices is a sustainable way. I had pizza yesterday night. I'm very happy about that. It's not your American pizza. It's a homemade pizza that I did here at home with my dough, and I only put quality ingredients on it, and it was very light, right? So very different. So you, you can choose how you do things and still enjoy uh, your guilty pleasures. Dear Dominico, thank you very much for this great interview and your answers. I hope we can all sit down and reflect what are our key takeaways, what are the habits that we can improve on a daily basis, and most importantly, what is a successful life to me? When do I feel my best? What are my goals? And I'm very excited to explore this A for myself and B to ask people around me what success means to them. Yeah, thank you very much. This was great. A lot of inspiration and I hope we had the chance to motivate some people to work on themselves. Thank you. No, it was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it from my end too. And you came up with some really good questions. So that's easy. You can contact me again because if when the conversation is well prepared and well rounded, it's a joy for me too.